Well, we celebrated last night. We had a service here in our uh, church last night and had several people who came out and worshiped with us. And it was a good night. We enjoyed ourselves tremendously. So um, we just praise the Lord for what he is doing as we are launching new things and God is working in our midst. We had a great time last night. and I'm very grateful to the Lord. I will tell you that it's been a while since I I've, I've, uh, led worship on a Saturday, but it was a good thing, and I was, I'm very grateful to the Lord. I want to ask you to go to Matthew chapter 15 today. Matthew chapter 15. And I want to read uh, to you uh, the scriptural account of, of an encounter that Jesus had with some teachers of the law, with some Pharisees. Uh, so I'm going to ask you to go to uh, Matthew 15. We'll begin our reading with verse 1. You follow along in the word, if you will. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say if a man says to his father or mother, Whatever help you might otherwise have received from me as a gift devoted to God, he is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Lead them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these make a man unclean. For out of the mouth come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. When you least expect it, expect it. That is a little phrase that I would taunt my brother Alex with. You see, Alex and I had this thing. We were only about 15 months apart in age. And so throughout our lives, we competed in everything. Who could eat a bowl of cereal fastest? I'm not kidding you. Who could eat the most ears of corn? We were those kinds of brothers. We were protagonists against one another. We tormented one another. And it all started... This, this little saying that I began to taunt my brother with, it all started one day when he had a buddy over uh, for a sleepover. I think I was about 12 or 13. I believe I was 13. I was sound asleep, minding my business, being a wonderful, docile child. <laughs> what? What? I am in church. You're right. Okay. So being me, and I was sleeping, and my brother and his friend cooked up a plan. 
And so my brother snuck into where I was sleeping and he pulled the blankets back very, very slowly. And then he grabbed a hold of some matches and he slid them slowly between my toes and proceeded to light them. Do you know that blisters will appear on your foot when you're burned that badly? It, I got burned. And, of course, it hurt. And I was, I, was, I was like, oh, I can't let this stand. And so we began this gotcha thing. We would go back and forth. And we began, to, today they call it pranking. I don't know what you want to call it. But it, I, I called it, I can top that. That's how it was. Oh, you did that to me? I can top that. And we began to do this thing back and forth. And so when it was my turn after I had had been pranked, I would just look at Alex and say, when you least expect it, Alex, expect it. And that was kind of the thing. It, It sort of looked like this. Look on the screen for a moment. It's coming there. I get no kick from champagne. Here alcohol doesn't thrill me at all. So tell me why should it be true that I get a kick? That's what it was like in my house, I kid you not. We would do stuff like that to each other. Let me paint another picture for you. And this is one that will remain for this series. I I would like for you to go back to when you have watched the documentaries on TV that I have watched. If you have seen any real wildlife documentaries, pretty much all of you will know what a wildebeest is. The wildebeest looks sort of like a cow on steroids. Something's wrong with it. But anyway, uh, and they're great vast herds out in Africa and the plains and they'll migrate. They travel in huge, huge herds. And you've seen this probably when they have come to a watering hole and they, they, they're thirsty after traveling so far they've been going a long ways and they're very very thirsty and by the way the older wildebeest will kind of hang back here but the younger ones rush to the water's edge and the watering hole is calm and placid and looks just perfectly fine and you see a wildebeest going down to get a drink and it's un, un, unaware of the fact that just under the surface is a monster crocodile. And you've seen this, and my wife hates this, and I'll talk about that later. When the crocodile suddenly explodes to the surface and the poor wildebeest becomes crocodile's dinner. And you've all seen that. I want to take a few moments to talk to you about what comes from within us. How many times in our lives has something come out of us that we wish never had? How many times has it happened to us where something seemed to be just under the surface? 
and without warning exploded and came out of us. Something that seems far afield from our character, from who we usually are. Usually, how many times, should I ask, have we done or said something that took us by surprise? We surprised ourselves and we, we wondered ourselves, where did that come from? After the explosion has happened. Usually the surface is nice and calm and placid and it's good, but suddenly in our own lives a monster appears and explodes to the surface when we least expect it. It does harm and it exposes the fact that something pretty ugly lurks within. It comes out of the depths of our own heart. In our passage, Jesus exposes a truth that's hard for us and a truth that's ugly and we just don't want to own up to, we don't want to look at, especially if we are Christians. But here's the truth. We don't even want to imagine that this is true, but the truth is that the monsters that explode to the surface once in a while out of our lives actually come out of our own hearts. They come from within. And we don't like that. We don't like to own up to it. We don't like to face it. But Jesus said it very plainly. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make man Unclean, but eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. It's hard to face the fact, my friends, that those things aren't really out of character for us. They actually reflect what's in our heart and reflect part of our character. I don't like that and you don't like that, but that is the reality that Jesus point blank point, uh, shared and spoke about with the Pharisees on that day and with the disciples. So how do we deal with these monsters that we would really rather keep hidden? Some want to just hide them. Some want to just kind of go through life and do their best to to enact some behavioral modification Monitor our words and our actions. Just don't do and say certain things at certain times. Keep it hidden. If it's going to explode, if it's going to come to the surface, make sure nobody important knows about it. And a lot lot of people, including Christians, kind of handle, want to manage the monster that's within And that was the Pharisees' problem, by the way, friends. And that's what Jesus was helping them to understand. They didn't like it. When they came to him all concerned about the fact that the disciples ate without washing their hands. And can I just quickly tell you that the cultural thing here that's connected to this. This is not just ordinary washing of hands. The disciples weren't pigs. And they weren't like getting all dirty and grimy and then just grabbing food. That wasn't what this was about. There was a ceremony in the Jewish culture where, the, where, where anybody before a meal in the Jewish uh, culture in Judaism were to wash ceremonially before they would eat. It's a ceremony. And so the disciples were with Christ and they wouldn't always observe that ceremony. They had clean hands, but they wouldn't observe it. And so then the Pharisees' conclusion is, you're unclean. 
Because you're taking stuff in with dirty hands, quote unquote. And Jesus was trying to, to, to help the Pharisees see, and he made it very plain. You know, you're, you're complaining about this, but you are, you, your traditions are more important to you than the Word of God. And he gave them a wonderful example. And I will tell you that a lot of people, a lot of us, can be, can be guilty of, of trying to deal with these monsters that are within us just by kind of hiding them, behavior modification. We do things uh, to, to try to guard against them exploding at the wrong time. But I want you to know that Jesus has a better plan than that. Certainly the Pharisees' true character was revealed later when they would um, have such a great role in the crucifixion of Jesus. See, the monsters live within them. But Jesus has a better way. Here's the good news today. He wants to empower you to slay the monsters. Not live with them. Not exist with them. But to do away with them. He wants us to experience a heart change. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of these things that can be within us just under the surface and can explode. And they're monstrous. And we're going to consider how it is that with God's help through the Holy Spirit, we can defeat them. How to put them to death. Colossians chapter 3 verse 5. Put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed which is idolatry. It's good news that verse is because it tells us that these monsters can be slain. They don't have to remain in our lives. And so as we expose some of these things in our hearts, I just want to ask you to keep a couple of things in your mind today. Just keep them as we are attempting, especially if you are moved by God to to confront something in your own heart and deal with it. Then this is some things. These are some things I ask you to keep in mind. First and foremost, I want you to hear me say this. It's difficult. Okay, no monster dies without a fight. None of these things that are placid and under the surface, just lurking underneath and explodes once in a while and just creates all kinds of havoc. None of these kinds of things just go away easily. And in fact, I will tell you on your own strength, you cannot rid yourself of them. It's difficult. It takes a willingness to understand. And, and we might as well just get it here uh, out front. This is not easy to do. Many make the mistake of thinking God will just take it away from them. And I used to live there, man. I, used, I, I was convinced that if I prayed right, that God would just one day take it away. And I can remember saying to myself, well, if I just make a trip down the aisle and I go to the altar and I cry just right and I pray hard enough, then God's just going to be so gracious to me and say, poof, there you are. It's gone. The monster's dead. I slayed it for you. You don't have it inside of you anymore and you don't have that propensity anymore. And I will tell you that that's not the plan of God. Here's God's plan. God's plan is that he gave you the Holy Spirit. If you are a believer and through the strength of the Holy Spirit and being obedient and walking with Christ, you can you can slay the monster. 
You can have victory today. And the way that it happens is that you walk in obedience with the Holy Spirit. Just notice that Colossians 3, 5 did not say, let God put to death. God, that's not in the Word of God. What it does say is the reader can put these things to death in our life. In full context, Colossians 3 speaks of followers of Jesus working in partnership with the Holy Spirit, slaying these kind of evil thoughts and things in our hearts. Remember that Jesus told us and taught us that the Holy Spirit is our counselor, He is our comforter, He is our teacher, and He is our strength. But Christian, I need to say this to you again. Monsters don't die easily. So get it in your heart that if there is something that is inside of you that you hate and don't want to be there, that if you want it conquered, it can be conquered, but it's not just a simple prayer most of the time. Most of the time, there's something more to it. It's God's plan to enable you, enable me, to be able to conquer these monsters that live within us, to make us what he says, more than overcomers. So it's all there. God provides everything you need to conquer these things. But to overcome anything requires commitment. It requires effort. So please prepare to fight. Please prepare to battle if you want to slay these monsters that come up from within. It's not automatic and it's not easy. One monster that we'll be looking at and in a week to come here, is anger. And if you are a Christian who has the tendency to get angry quickly and to rage and easily get offended, then I don't have to tell you how hard it is to slay that beast. And I don't have to tell you how difficult it is to live with. You know who you are if you are dealing with uncontrolled anger in your life. And I don't have to tell you what a burden it is to walk in this world, walk around being angry and feeling offended. I don't have to tell you how hard it is to fight your own tongue, your own thoughts, and your own fist from flying. You already know to slay the beast of uncontrolled anger is not automatic and it's not easy. Second thing that I want to uh, ask you to keep in mind about slaying these things in our lives. It is a commitment. You can't just half-heartedly go into this thing. Again, in the next few weeks, we will again and again be challenged to commit to the battle against the evil things that can just be right under the surface of our hearts. Forgive me for those of you who were... In our Sunday school class, um, during uh, the, the time that I taught out of the book of James, because I'm about to tell a story that you've heard, but it's the best illustration out of my own personal life of how these things can, can, um, be, can, can be defeated, how the monsters can be defeated, and uh, it's the process that God took me through. I was into my uh, first real full-time vocational ministry work. I was working with a youth group, and God, I was a youth pastor full-time, and uh, God was blessing the ministry. Uh, good things were happening. There are lots of kids got saved, and the, the youth group was growing exponentially. God was working. 
And I remember one day as I was preaching to the kids on a Wednesday night, I think it was, it could have been Friday on our outreach day, but as I was preaching to the teenagers, I remember one day as I was telling a story where something came out of me that had been inside of me and I had not given any attention to it. I had a lying tongue. I didn't even mean, it didn't even register on my my uh, radar for a long time because the way it would come out is I'd be telling a story about something and the fish that was this long somehow ended up that long. And I just had this thing and people called it, well, that's only embellishing. And label it anything, any way you want to, it's a lie. And so I had to, conf- I had to confront the fact that I was a liar and didn't even dawn on me for a while, but one day I'm preaching and I told a story and the fish grew from here to here. I embellished it and I know what it was birthed in. It was birthed in a desire for people to like me. It was birthed in a desire for people to be impressed with me. And so I told a lie. And when I did, it wasn't audible, but it might as well have been. In the middle of my preaching to teenagers, the Holy Spirit in the back of my head, it almost sounded like he shouted at me, that's a lie. And I'm, I was taken aback. I, I paused. And then I just kept going. And then the next time I told another story, that's a lie. And I can tell you for a period of a few weeks, I don't know how long it was, every time I talked to somebody and I told a lie, the Holy Spirit would just say, that's a lie. I believe for a while he was gently trying to deal with me, but I'm hard-headed sometimes, and I think he was just tired of it. And he just would say in my spirit, that's a lie, Ken. And it bothered me so much that one time in my devotions as I was seeking God, man, the Holy Spirit just kind of took me to the woodshed. And said, Ken, how can you be God's man and tell a lie? And man, that broke me because if there's anything I want, I want to be God's man. And I began to cry and I said, God, what am I supposed to do about this? And he laid on my heart the name of a dear Christian pastor brother. To just go talk to and say, go tell him and confess to him and ask him what he thinks you should do. So I didn't want to do it, but I went to him and I told him the absolute truth. I didn't hide it. I didn't didn't sugarcoat it. I said, I'm not, this isn't embellishing. This is outright lies and it's just coming out. And the Holy Spirit's just really not happy with me. And I don't want that to be, what should I do? And the guy was wonderful with me. And after giving me some, some real strong, stern, you can't do this kind of thing advice, he said, Ken, here's what you want to do. If you really want to defeat this thing, this is the... This is the commitment you have to have, and this is the process. He said, next time you're talking, no matter who you're talking to, and the Holy Spirit says, that's a lie, stop, apologize, say, I just said something that wasn't true, I lied, and really the fish is this big. Fix it. In front of anybody you're talking to, if it's whoever, when you lie, stop, confess it, and then fix it. And I said, okay, I, I, wanna, I don't want to be a liar. And that was a monster in my life. It would just explode to the surface. And I'd be lying my rear end off. It was awful. So finally, I, I, I said, Lord, I want to be rid of this. I, I want to be your man. And so in my life, you know, what would be the next time that uh, this would happen? But when I'm in front of my teenagers and I'm preaching to them and boom, I, I said something, I stretched it. And the Holy Spirit said, that's a lie. And I had to stop and say, guys, I need to apologize to you. I just told you something that was not true at all. 
And honestly, the fish was this big. And that hurt. It was embarrassing to me and it was painful, but I wanted to not be a liar. And I prayed about it. I asked God's forgiveness. And then the very next time it happened, my senior pastor had invited me to preach to the whole church. And I'm up there preaching away and I'm telling a story about, you know, giving an illustration or telling a story out of my life and made the fish too big again. The Holy Spirit screamed in my head, that's a lie. And I stopped and I looked at the whole church and said, I just I just said something that wasn't right. It was not true. And really, the fish is this big. And I'm so sorry. Let me tell you, after you've had to do that a few times, you stop lying. The pain wasn't worth it. (laughs) And I just had to get over the fact that people might not be as impressed with the fact that the fish was only this big instead of this big. I just had to get over it. But I can tell you something, folks. It was a commitment. It was difficult. But I thank God that the Holy Spirit brought me through that because I don't have a lying tongue anymore. That monster has been slain. And I'm very, very grateful to the Lord for that. I'm thankful that God loved me enough to help me overcome it. But it took a commitment on my part. I had to be willing to walk through the tough stuff, do the hard thing to overcome this monster that would keep coming up into my life. Listen, God has a plan for you to slay your monster. But as I said, be ready for a fight. Put on the armor of God and commit to it. Any man who has had the fight against lust and has won will tell you that it takes commitment. Lust does not die with one blow. And guys, you know what I'm talking about. It's not a battle. It's a war. And what God needs is a man who is willing, who loves God enough and is willing to fight for his purity. Last, let me just suggest to you that as you're thinking about how to slay these beasts, that all that I've been talking to you about is best for you. It's God's best for your life. I have a challenge for you today, and I ask you to take it to heart. When you feel like things are pretty stable in your relationship with Jesus and when you're not aware of any glaring sin in your life, I challenge you to earnestly pray to the Lord what David prayed in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. David prayed this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And... uh, Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What I'm challenging you to do is ask the Lord to search your heart and know your heart and test you and see if there's anything offensive in you and then reveal to you any monster that is right under the surface that is creating havoc in your life. Now I have to tell you, that's hard. It takes courage to pray that way to the Lord. David prayed that way to the Lord after a monster, a hideous monster, had exploded to the surface of his life. He committed adultery. He committed murder. He did some hideous things. And God had to confront him, and he had to deal with this, and he had to be outed, but God was merciful to him. And David suffered a great deal. Because of the monster that was in his heart. David didn't want that to happen again. 
So he would pray to the Lord, I want you to search me and know me. And if there's a hint of something offensive in my life, I need you to tell me about it. After 37 years of marriage, I will tell you one thing that I know about my wife. And by the way, if you are a husband in the room today and you've got your wife all figured out, I want you to come and explain it to me. Okay, so I'm not pretending I've got my wife figured out. Haven't done it yet. And guess what? She's just as puzzled about me. Okay, so it's not like you should you should just really be grateful that that you have such a good pastor's wife. Because wow. Anyway, after 37 years of living with her, I will tell you that one thing that I know about Darlene is that she really loves me. Here's what I mean. I trust Darlene. So because we've lived together for so long and we loved each other so long, when Darlene gives me a critique, here's what I know about her heart to me. She isn't giving me a critique to hurt me. Darlene critiques me because she wants me to be the best me I can be. She critiques me and I take it to heart because I know where it's coming from. It's coming from a heart that wants to make me better. Do you know that Darlene truly cares that I'm the best pastor I can be? And she critiques me. Trust me. She'll talk to me about my sermons and she'll, she'll help me along the way and, and she'll give me comments along the way. And I need those and I appreciate them coming from her because I know the heart that she has for me. It is her heart that I would be the best pastor I can possibly be. She critiques me as a husband because she wants the best husband I can be. But I have learned over the years that all of that comes to me out of her love for me. And I trust her. And so I don't mind when Darlene brings a critique into my life. I fully trust her heart for me. May I tell you that Jesus loves you. And if you accept my challenge and you pray to him, Lord, search me out. He's not here to hurt you. He's not here to say, you're a mess. You're a hot mess and I can't stand you. He's not here to do that. But he will, if you ask him to, he will search you and he will critique you. And you want that because it comes from a heart that says, I want to make you the best child of God that you can be. I'm not here to harm you, but I'm here to prosper you. I'm not here to do you damage. I'm here to bless you. And the only way that we can do that is for me to empower you to get rid of that monster that stands in the way. Can we trust Jesus to love us like that? Can we ask him to search us and reveal the offensive things in our lives? Joe, would you come to the piano and start playing, please? Can we trust that he reveals the monsters that are just under the surface for our own good? Look, I know that it isn't easy to own any of the beasts that want to lie within just under the surface in our own hearts. But in the next couple weeks, I'm asking you, would you please... Especially if you're a real believer, would you please have David's heart? Would you be willing to say, God, I will acknowledge before you. I have monsters that have been in under the surface and I have blown it so completely. And there's this thing that reoccurs and happens. David never wanted to go back to his hideous, sinful things. David loved God. 
He prayed this way because he had a warrior's heart. He prayed this way because he so loved his God. He never wanted to do this again. And he recognized, that's who I am without God. My friends, these things that explode to the surface, it is a reflection of your character without Christ. It truly is. And I know we don't like facing that. The Bible is, t- calls itself a mirror. And sometimes we have the painful task of looking into it and saying, something's wrong. I see it. We have David's heart. Over the next few weeks, as I preach through this series, and I cover some of the things that can lurk right under the surface of humanity's heart, will you have a heart like David that says, Oh God, I'm willing to suit up and battle this so that this thing is slain in my life. Oh, Holy Spirit, I don't have to be this way. I don't have to. I'm not a prisoner. I'm not a slave. The devil can't make me. I can be be victorious and this monster can go. I want you to know that's biblical truth today. And I'm asking you to consider these things that might lie right within, right below the surface of your heart. Can we love God enough to let him speak to us? Can we hate sin enough to want to slay the beast and put on the armor of God and have the Holy Spirit lead us and empower us to victory? It's not going to be easy, my friends, but I will tell you something. Our community needs a church with godly people. We need warriors. We need to be able to live out this life in a a truly godly fashion. And it's my heart. It's what I want to do. Pray about it, will you? As you close your eyes and you bow your heads, nobody is looking around. Here's what I wonder. Is there somebody who, as you sit here now, you know that there's already the Holy Spirit's revealing. There's, there's stuff in you that, that isn't right. And you just want to lift your hand to God and say, God, I acknowledge that in my life and I need you. And I want in the next few weeks to begin battling this thing and defeating it in the name of Jesus. Would you be willing to lift your hand up in the air as a testimony to God? I know. Don't look around, please. I know that there's things in my heart that don't belong. They're monsters, and I need them out. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands back down. God knows our hearts today. I want you to know that. He knows. Father, I pray for our church today. This community, this world needs a hot church, a church that's on fire for you. I want to be on fire. I want to slay, Lord, that which is offensive to you completely. I want it gone in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you would help each person who lifted their hands to acknowledge their need of you, O God. That there would be a a warrior mentality in them that says, I'm not going to settle. I want victory. I pray you'll give it to us now. Lord, bless us together to be your people and to get rid of these things that are just below the surface. In Jesus' name.
Amen. I'll close with this thought. Um, my wife hates those documentaries. Okay? And, and she's kind of funny. Like, if I'm watching, I like to watch these, these, these things. But my wife, like, first of all, the, the crocodile's problem for Darlene, I try to explain to her. I said, honey, it's a crocodile, and, and this is what they eat. This is how they eat. And she said, no, 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 I hate it. I hate it. I don't want to see it. And she won't. She won't even look. She'll walk out of the room. If a lion is chasing a baby anything, especially a gazelle or zebra. She's out of the room. She doesn't want to face it. I said, honey, it's a fact of life. This is how nature works. I don't care. I don't want to see it. It's ugly. I don't want to be around it. And I said, but crocodiles are cute when they're born. No, they're not. I don't like crocodiles. And, and we go back and forth. But my point is, she doesn't want to even look at it. And I know that there may be some of us in this room who don't want to look. You don't want to see it. But please acknowledge, please have courage. Look anyway. It's hard. It's hard to acknowledge that something could be inside of us that is offensive to the living God. Better we face it here, better we face it now, than just look away and pretend it doesn't exist. Amen? So please have courage this week.